Good day, good night, and welcome to Off the Woodworks. It's Friday, July 19th. Big game tomorrow night at the Saputo against FC Dallas. One of the teams that are on top of the Western table. So it's going to be a great game. We're going to talk about that game today with Mr. Scott Bornstein, the host of the Around the League Soccer Podcast. Uh, but before that, let's just talk about the half-season press conference that was last Wednesday at the Saputo at 1.30. It was a press conference half season, so Richard Lejeune, the president, Joey Saputo, the, Joey Saputo, the president, Richard Lejeune, the vice president, and uh, director of technique, Mr. Nick DeSantis, made a press conference to actually talk about the, half, the first half of the season of the 2013 campaign in the MLS. A couple of highlights from that press conference. First of all, um, roster news. As predicted on Off the Woodworks a couple of weeks ago, the impact loaned out a couple of players, and yes, like we were saying, it's midfield players. The midfield was a little too crowded. So we actually made a loan out to the Minnesota United FC, Sinisa Ubiparipovic, and Callum Malice are actually loaned out to the NASL team in Minnesota for the remainder of the season. No details about next season, but this season at least they'll be playing in the NASL. Well, they were not having playing time anyways in the actual first team in the MLS. So it's good for them to get more playing time because the actual midfield was getting crowded. Especially with the arrival of Del Piccolo. We don't know if he's going to play, but with his arrival, the midfield was beginning to be crowded. So good luck to those two players. Uh, Malice didn't really live up to his expectations as the second uh, draft pick from the Super Draft in 2012. Uh, second round draft pick instead of not instead, but right after um, Andrew Wenger was our first choice and Callum Alice was our second draft pick in the history of the impact in the MLS. So good luck to Callum Alice and Sinisa. Well, he was loved by the supporters because he actually played for Montreal back in 2011 where we were down in the NASL. So it's uh, back to his roots for him. So he's back to playing in the NASL. We'll see if he will have more playing time and more luck because he is injury prone and hopefully... He can have a great remainder of season in the NASL, which will start their second season. They had a spring season a couple of weeks off, and they will start the actual fall season with the arrival of the New York Cosmos. So if you're actually interested in ESL, it's beginning to be more interested. And then next year, in 2014, as you all know, the Ottawa Fury joins the NASL with former Impact coach, Mr. Mark Dos Santos. So that will be very interesting. Other tidbit of news from the press conference... The, in the fall, they're going to be installed a heating system under the pitch at the Saputo, so the president and everybody else don't have to actually shovel snow next year. So hopefully they'll help with the actual pitch at the beginning of the season. If you all remember, we had to actually postpone a game, the first game at the Saputo, because of the snow. So that won't happen next year because of that heating system going to be installed. And the other really last, there's like two small news, like really small news, tidbits of news that happened in that press conference as well. It uh, turns out that the season ticket holders are dead. So long live the club members. Everybody who has a season ticket are now part of the club. The Impact wants to involve you more and to implicate you more in the actual club's activity. Maybe not the daily activity, but there are going to be some more like annual uh, annual events, more annual uh, summit almost you can say, conference and everything to actually include 
the club members, in quotes. So that's what they're going to lose. And the other one, the Impact's actually looking to sign one or two players. They said probably not going to be midfield players. They're not necessarily going to replace Yubi and Malice. But those players are, might come one or two. It's more for a long-term deal that actually DeSantis said. So maybe a DP, maybe, with a big interrogation point, maybe we'll have a DP. We don't know. But right now, first thing first, we're looking for one or two players, probably, probably a center back to help solidify the center back situation in Montreal because we all know Nelson Rivas probably never going to wear the uniform again. We will know more about the Rivas situation in the next couple of weeks as he's actually getting, the sentence is getting a little bit tired and impatient, I think, with him, which is a good thing because he was supposed to miss nothing. He was supposed to miss no game whatsoever this year and actually hasn't played yet. We're half season and still haven't seen him really with the team. So hopefully that situation is going to be resolved really soon. What DeSantis said, either he's actually, he needs a very fast improvement in his recovery and in his fitness, or they'll sit down with him again and see what's possible in the future for him. Probably going to release him to free up some space to get those one or two players that we were talking about. Speaking of those players, DeSantis said as well that we have a little bit of allocation money that we can use, and depending on how Joey Saputo feels, that allocation money can be used for a DP slot, maybe, maybe. So we'll, we'll see in the coming weeks, before the end of the Mercado season, if we actually get that one or two players. We'll take a small break on Off the Woodworks right now. When we come back, we have the host of the Around the League Soccer Podcast, Mr. Scott Bornstein, who is one of the greatest interviews in the history of Off the Woodworks, where we talk about the FC Dallas and the MLS in the, as a whole a little bit as well. So, see you after, Scott. Back on After Woodworks, it's with great pleasure that I welcome the host of Around the League Soccer Podcast, Mr. Scott Bernstein. Hello, Scott. Hello, Kevin. How are you, sir? I'm great, and yourself? I'm fantastic, and I love the accent, so I feel very cool right now. Well, thank you very much. Big game for both Dallas and Montreal this Saturday at the Saputo. Both teams are actually on a losing skid right now. What's your first thought about that game? Well, okay, I don't want to call it a losing streak. I'm going to call it a not having won a game since May streak. <laughs> so we've gotten some draws, which have been nice. I got to see him play here in Philly, which was exciting. But there, it's tough. My, my, I'm very excited about this game only because there's this clash of Montreal's high impact, the highest, in my, when I'm looking at it, the highest kind of attacking offense that Dallas has faced all year. I believe you guys, as percentage-wise, have like the most yeah. um, shots and attacking on goal all season against with George John coming back, which is great. A much more shored-up Dallas defense. At the same time, let's not lie, your defense has been slightly shaky lately. Slightly, hoping, <laughs> slightly, slightly. I believe you've let up like twelve goals, which is in the last four games, which is more than you let up the, in far, in the first like 10. fourteen. Yes, it's insane. <laughs> what the what has happened there. And Dallas has a little bit of magic, but without Blas Perez, you're looking at Kenny Cooper and 
Uh, Fabian Castillo, great young player that Dallas has brought in a couple years ago, which was a you know kind of a DP signing, but it's half because he's under 21. Like Dallas has done, as I sidetrack, has been really good at finding younger talent at a price to bring in and grow within the league, where other teams have spent big money, which Dallas has done in the past, um, on, say, bigger stars that have a limited career. They like to get them young, pay a little bit less, and bring them through. So with Castillo's speed, hopefully David Ferreira ready to come back. And for you guys who have not seen David, other than the knack that he falls down a lot, he's like (laughs) five foot nothing. You touch him, he falls down. He's the most foul player in the league. But his vision is spectacular. And if they're clicking, I cannot wait to see what could be a just barnstorming game. Yeah, that was my next question, actually. David Ferrara is one of the one of my favorite midfielders in the whole league. The his creation, his creativity, and his pace on the play. The way he uh, usually when Blas Perez is not at the Gold Cup, when he actually plays for Dallas, the way he actually finds him on the pitch is really impressive. And that's what I was wondering. So, do you think Ferrara is going to be able to play on Saturday? I think he is. He got about 25 minutes in in the game last week, um, which was the first time Salt Lake ever won in the state of Texas. But when Ferreira's on the field, this is a completely different team. Like, if you go back and look at the formations when Dallas doesn't have David on the field, they primarily play a 4 4 2. When Ferreira's on the field, they can go to that 4 3 2 1 2 1, whatever Shellis likes to play, to give Ferreira that space because his vision is so good. He can get the ball out wide. He can play wide himself and come back in. When he won the MVP, I was so proud that they were voted when he won that MVP year because it was a position that normally wouldn't get this kind of credit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those who know, as not as big as some of the under, other injuries in Vancouver, evil Vancouver, yeah, um, yeah. I, took out his ankle and he was gone for the entire, almost a year and a half. So this is like the first season he's back, you know, starting at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So it's your point. And I tell people all the time, if you've never watched him, it's worth just watching him on the field and just watching how he surveys it. It's amazing the things that creativity can do and the fact that he tracks back and still causes all sorts of trouble clogging that midfield up. Yep. So I think that's a great sight for you. What what I would love to see, I can't wait to see the matchup when I'm looking at this between if George John is truly going to go and they're saying that he is, John and DeVaio is going to be very interesting. We'll have to see about that because DeVaio is in Italy as we speak today. We don't even know if he's going to be back in time for Saturday having a little family issues. So hopefully he'll be back because I want to see that matchup as well. Well, that's going to change my prediction for the game. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> no worries. Uh, like you were saying, Ferreira, Ferreira reminds me of Patrice Bernier. Both a little bit underrated but extremely talented midfielders. It's funny the similarities between the two. I think the difference is the team that's built around them. Where Beignet is – the team isn't built around him. The team is built around David Ferreira. Yeah. When he's healthy, Dallas – it's one of those – they built this club around him and found the pieces that work with him, starting from the back and working their way up. And it shaped a style of play that brought Dallas to MLS Cup in 2010. And when he went down – as good as the team still was, you saw how crucial his play is on the field. And this kind of ties into, if you heard about Dallas's new signing, the kid from River Plate, mm-hmm. um, Diaz, is basically, when you really look at his resume, and this is, a great, this is another one of those young, great signings. He's not going to be there in Montreal. His first game will probably be July 27th in the friendly against Stoke, and I think that they're just working on the paperwork. But down the road, he is 
17, he started playing with River Plate, and, and Hinman saw him and was like, this guy's great. He couldn't believe five years later that he's still there. So he got his hands on him. He's basically Ferreira, 13-year jungle. <laughs> yeah. And you can see that they're going to build him as a replacement because this is the style that Shellis sees works um, and is successful in this league. And it's different than a lot of teams play, and I really am enjoying it. He's kind of pieced this together where, where I don't know – how the team's going to end and for people, you know, it's tough in the East. I don't, you know, I don't know who follows Dallas. This is a fun team to watch. Not maybe the last seven weeks, <laughs> but Dallas is a fun team to watch. Their creativity is good. They got some great players, some people who you don't know who they came from. I mean, this guy, Michelle, I don't know if you know about him. He's my favorite he came- for newcomer, for comeback, for not comeback, for newcomer of the year. Actually, he's my top of the list for me. And he came in as like a training squad player over the summer. And he impressed so much that they put him on the main roster and he shined. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Dallas finds, which is great. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the two different styles of play, while not all that different to your point, but where the weaknesses seem to lie, which is if Dallas doesn't have that midfield play clicking and if um, Montreal can't get their back line settled, it could be a very raucous game. Absolutely. Um, Dallas is not a team that we hear a lot about in Montreal. What kind of formation and what kind of type of play does Shellis Hyman like? It's funny. It's evolved over the years. When he first got here, if you don't know his history, Shellis Hyman was a coach for 30 years at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, down the road. And he actually was the coach for um, the owners, Clark Hunt, the Hunt family. He coached them when they played in college. For years, they tried to get him to come to Dallas. Eventually, things worked out, and he came, and he came, and he wanted to play his diamond 4-4-2 formation. Okay. He didn't have the pieces to put that together. And things were not going well when he first got here. His, he inherited a team that had a lot of problems. His big first move was getting David Ferreira, and he built the team around that. Now, depending on the situation, you're either going to see, because Perez is not there, most likely you'll see a 4-4-2. But when everyone's healthy, he likes to play a 4-3-1-2-1. Okay. So... It's an attacking form. It's a very it's unique, but it opens up Ferreira to have all of this space. So it's kind of like a diamond, but a very forward diamond, like almost in a first third diamond. Exactly. Wow, that's actually very. You'll see a lot of movement. You'll see a lot of movement, and you'll see say that you know you'll have Jackson and Zach Lloyd playing out on the right back wings. You're going to see a lot of wing play coming up. Hinman loves to have his defensive uh, outside backs push up the field. He loves to have that pressure up into that second third and what's going to happen is you're all of a sudden you're going to see him switch where you're going to have the right back going over to the left and left back going over to the right for just all you're like what what just happened (laughs) because they're looking at how they're going to cross the ball and where they're going to attack from it's very interesting it's a very fluid type of play where but from the back line the back line is especially at the center backs he loves them big and physical and if you look dallas has a lot of big tall guys when they're healthy it's a big change from when Drew Moore was the center back. So yeah. um, with George John there, he's going to be the physical. He kind of runs that back. So you're going to see – I'm guessing you're going to see a 4-4-2 for this because I don't – I honestly don't know if Ferreira is going to start because okay. of kind of hamstring thing. Yeah. I think see a 4-4-2. I think you're going to get Kenny Cooper up top, Castillo probably there. Maybe Hosley will play a little bit. Um, Michelle, Jackson, uh, Andrew Jacobson, and – I'm trying to think who might be that left 
it could be if Ferrara's healthy. Right? Javon Watson's been playing on the left mid, and your back line's going to be George John, Zach Lloyd, Yarbenitez, and um, maybe Matt Hedges. So you're, you, it, it, I'm looking at that as the 4-4-2 we're going to start with. I'm looking at how he's going to adjust it depending on what happens. Because the fact that you just said that DeVaio's not there, could not be there, mm-hmm. could change his tactics completely. Because he's going to say, we're going after him. Because your biggest threat is going to be gone. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, if we look at Dallas right now, they're missing one of their, well, one of the, the best striker of the team, the actual goal yeah. leader, Mr. Blas Paris with six goals. He's actually playing for Costa Rica in the Gold Cup as we speak. How does his absence affect the team right now? It's funny because he's kind of been in and out for the team, so they're kind of used to playing with him and playing without him. Okay. Kenny Cooper is, you know, a Dallas native that came back. Everyone's excited. He hasn't found his groove back. I think what Perez offers that Kenny doesn't, size-wise, Kenny's broader. Perez is very smooth, okay. very great touch on the ball, and has great movement off the ball. That's the big thing. The connection between Ferreira and Perez the way that they work off the ball. And even with when you're looking at Perez and the outsides coming from Jackson or coming from um, Michelle, it's kind of like his favorite target, the way they play. Cooper is more of a brawler. You kind of lose some of that finesse in the game. More of a physical type where, play? Right. A little bit more. But what you gain if Castillo is up front is the most blazing speed. Okay. I'm talking Dominic Oduro type speed. <laughs> yeah, we his saw that problem, earlier. <laughs> his problem is he's not very good off the ball. Yeah. And when he's got the ball at his feet, he loves to keep them at his feet. His vision is terrible. I mean, I don't know how to put that. So he becomes kind of a different threat for you. So what you're missing is that, how do you say it, the soccer, the, kind of a soccer brain. Perez has such a magnificent brain for the game and where to be and where to put himself to get those positions open for goal-scoring opportunities that the other two just don't have. That's really, for me, the big difference. Yeah. And I had a kind of like a weird question for you. Last year, at the end of the year, it was the biggest sell of a, the biggest selling of a player in the history of Dallas. Mr. Breck Shea was sold to Stoke City. Yes. Uh, do you think Dallas finally filled the void of Breck Shea, or they're still working on that? It's a tough question because while Shea, for a period, was crucial at the beginning of that year when Ferrer went down, mm-hmm. he played great. He wore himself out, and he kind of burned out a little bit. I think when you look at some of the pieces that they've brought in, I don't know if you fully replaced Breck Shea, but they've changed the composure of the team. Mm-hmm. Shea was an okay crosser of the ball. He became a very good defensive left wing. Shellis worked very hard with him to get him to work on his defensive skills, and he became extremely fast. A lot of training was done, if you don't, I don't know if you know, at the Michael Johnson Performance Center with him to get his speed oh, really? because they saw Yes, Mike. They all of Dallas really trains at the Performance Center from with Michael Johnson to get the team quicker, and it, it's one of the things that he's very big on. As it, you can train, and I think they always say this: you can train as much as you want, you can never train speed. Speed kills. Sure. And they've always kind of had those two speedster. So the money helped. Um, there was some movement within the team that kind of looks like okay, we made some decent plays here. You got Cooper back, which as far as fans were concerned, was the greatest thing that ever happened. <laughs> um, we used to joke that if you could bring back Juan Taha and Ronnie O'Brien, the team would be complete. So I don't think <laughs> they golf now. But it's And then Ramon Nunez came back, who was a Dallas player. I don't know if you know his story. Played for 
Hinman decided he got fed up and left and had an okay kind of career, and they brought him back as a peace player, which has been good. Kind of got too big for his britches. Okay. So I don't think you've – it's kind of hard. You've replaced the celebrity with Kenny Cooper for Breckshay. Mm-hmm. You've never been able to replace the left wing that he was. So no, not really, but you've put other pieces into place in the team where you don't miss him that much. And what they really don't miss him, I, from what I hear is rumors – is some of the drama with him backstage. That's what I was going to he say. Can't. I heard he was like a, a diva, almost like Bobby Convy. He was really a diva in the locker room. And he wasn't – when he first came here, he was very humble, very much so. I mean his grandparents and his parents were at, every, were at every game in Dallas sitting in the fourth row right at the center. You never heard a Texas woman scream as loud as his like 70-year-old grandmother. <laughs> like, come on, Brack! You could hear her from across the stadium. But he was a generation Adidas player. He was making a lot more money than most of the other team. And he hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. And Shellis was very, very hard on him. And I think he learned a lot of lessons. And I don't think he's doing so great out in Stoke. He had a great game for the U.S. the other day. So I think the elimination of that – and what I was getting to is that as time went on and he started getting the U.S. call-ups and he started getting all of these things, he realized, okay, I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it kind of went his head a little bit. And in my opinion, I think Dallas would have – if a year prior – they would have loved to have done like what they did with Graham Zusi. Okay. Sign him to a long contract, give him that DP money, and then when it was the right time to sell him, sell make him. the money, let's see, make the money. Yeah. It became so much, it was like, go. Yeah, Brexit's attitude actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Zarek Valentin, who we had him last year in Montreal before he got loaned out. Uh, he had the exact same attitude. I met him a couple times at uh, Reserve League games and actual practices. He had, a, like you say, a bigger head for his... Uh, for his talent a little bit, just because of that Generation Adidas contract. Yeah, it made a big difference, and I think it sometimes causes problems. Um, because you look at someone like, I look at someone like Clarence Goodson, who came in and played for Dallas, and he had that one tough, and I think that that went through well. I mean, Clarence, if Dallas, if it had been up to Dallas when the whole thing went, they wanted one of to keep him, and it was Clarence Goodson who came and said, listen, I'm going to try and go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put him on wave, they put him on the expansion draft, no, knowing that someone was going to take him, there goes San Jose, yep. and three months later, he's gone. Well, now he's back at San Jose. would have been nice to have him back at Dallas. I just don't know if he'd want him back, but we loved him there. Um, same thing happened with Juan Toha. Great find for Dallas. Was an unbelievable player. Went, decided that he didn't want to stay here anymore, and it broke the fans' hearts. The team was like, we're willing to pay you, but he wanted to go. He ended up playing, I think, in Czechoslovakia, and now he's back in New England a couple years later, and you see that he's not the same player. Yes. Not the same player. And it's, I think what's good about this and what we're seeing from our expansion and as the teams get better, we're finding that players are starting to find, and I think hopefully as they alleviate the cap, it's not always greener on the other side. Exactly. It's not so bad playing in this league. And as things are going on, it makes it a better place to stay and grow. And when you're seeing players from MLS starting to figure into the national team picture, it makes all of that even a little bit more better. So that's the best we can hope for. Oh, I totally agree, and I even think the MLS is an underrated league. I'm surprised myself. I'm surprising myself that I'm actually saying this, but I believe the caliber of play in the MLS is years ahead of where it was two years ago, and in five years it could be even way more advanced than we think it could be. I agree. I 100% agree with you. I think that they're finding a very unique. You know how you can tell? Watch a player who's come in from a different league, and how long it takes for them to adjust to this style of play. Yeah, it's very unique. It's not a European style. 
It's not an English style. It's definitely not an Italian style. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's it's weird. It's a, it's an eclectic mis- mix of South American because there's a lot of South American influence mm-hmm. here. There's a lot of that influence in this league and an American style of game. And it's kind of forming this. It's still hard nosed. It's kind of got like that English like we are going to be tough, mm-hmm. but it's hard and fast, which a lot of people really like, period. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. And if you go back not just two years, you go back like five years. It's a world of difference, not just from the style of play, but where we're playing. Look at the beginning of the stadiums being built. It becomes more reputable. Look at the coverage now, like here in the States with NBC. It's like Fox was shooting it in someone's basement, and NBC's <laughs> now got a studio, and it's gorgeous. I mean, of course, so sad that Arlo White is leaving, my favorite. Like, yeah. I could watch Arlo call grass grow, and it was <laughs> Um, And then you get the intro, like, I love what's going on in Montreal. I mean, it, it's such a wonderful stadium. You guys have this great culture going on. I mean, there's a, a long history, and it's starting to build. You can see, especially as the team's getting better. I mean, you guys had so, an exciting first year, like so close to getting in. Oh, yeah. This year, everyone relax in Montreal. It's not It's not bad. This is just that summertime swoon. I mean, I think to the point of you had two games in hand, you're only one point out of first place. Relax. Yeah, exactly. That's what I told people on my last show. Like, we're still si- – if we get that six points, we're first in the East and close to the supporters race. So everybody calm get down. Yourself, just get in the playoffs. The team gets in the playoffs. Anything can happen. Houston's done it two years in a row, coming in in like fourth and fifth spot and making it to the finals. LA did it. LA's won championship coming in in the fourth seed and winning the thing. It's it's tough. It's hard because if you're not used to I mean, we as Americans, Canadians, we get the playoff picture. And I think that's one of the things that people don't get. Like when they're, yeah. oh, playoffs are stupid and – I can't believe you guys do that. I'm like, fine, you can say that. I love them. I love it. I love that we have them. It's a great mix of both. I agree with you. Here's the last question before I ask you for your prediction. You you talked about earlier about the speed of Dallas. And Montreal used to be known for their counterattack style. Do you think the two of them can actually combine on Saturday? Do you think that with the Dallas speed, it'll open up Dallas for the counter? It's funny. I was thinking about that earlier as something I'm like, you know, when you're that high pressure, you have that – if you're against a good counterattacking team, you can get burned very quickly. And who used to light up Dallas for this was L.A. Mm-hmm. Because not only did they have speed, but they were built to counterattack the way the team worked. Dallas would push forward, push forward, wings coming up. You'd have two guys and, and your holding defender back up on the line. And the next thing you know, you got five guys rushing down the field and you're like, oh, crap. Um, I think that they can exist, and I hate to say to, to the Montreal fans, I think you guys are kind of a little discombobulated right now mm-hmm. where I don't think that the counterattack is something he's going to be too worried about up front. I have a feeling this is a club that has only won one game on the road. We're not very good on the road. We've drawn a ton, but we have only won one game on the road. And with the losing streak, I think the way that this gets broken is we're going to go for it. He's going to make an offensive, and he's going to go and adjust as needed. That's kind of what I'm thinking at. So can it survive? Yes. Dallas can speed their way back. Who's very good at that or was very good at last year was Kansas City. was mm-hmm. ex- oh, yeah. excellent at that. And the problem being is that you can't play that way all year. You tire out. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens to Kansas City. Montreal, while good on that counterattack, Dallas's speed should hopefully hold it. I think we're in for and I'll wait till you ask me my prediction, but I'll tell you why. So what is your prediction, Scott? Um, I think we're looking at, I, I hate to say it, I think we're looking at a 2-2 draw. 
a 2-2 draw. Well, a very interesting game indeed coming this Saturday at the Saputo. Uh, you can listen to Scott on the Around the League Soccer Podcast. He's the actual host. You can find that on iTunes. Thank you very much for being on my show, Scott. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Good luck this weekend. And if I ever come up, we're having a beer. Uh, and I'm buying. Thanks a lot. That would be great. Thanks, Kev. Bye, everybody. Once again, thank you, Scott. You can actually find the Around the League Soccer Podcast on iTunes. Well, that was a great interview. Don't you think you actually know a little more about the FC Dallas? Because we don't know a lot about that team. The only thing I knew was Breck Shea and <laughs> that he's not there anymore. And that Blast Bear is not going to be there. So, and David Ferreira is going to Thank you very much, Scott. A couple of things before I let you go. It is the big, big return of the bet of the week this week. We have left in our bankroll $60 from the last couple of weeks. So we have 60 bucks to use to bet on three games. I chose three teams. New York are playing Toronto in Toronto. And as we all know, Toronto has a lot of difficulties getting the three points at home. And New York are kind of like in a good run right now after that. Four nothing defeat. Well, four nothing win against the Montreal. Montreal's defeat. Yuck, yuck. It was really yuck, yuck. So, yeah, so after that big win for Harry's boys, I think they're going to actually continue their success and go get the whole three points at the BMO field. So, look for New York to win. Second team, New England, were facing Columbus. New England is getting, uh, instead of a groove, the New York players are actually doing pretty well lately. They lost on Wednesday. They were playing against Colorado. They lost 2-1, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it's going to be a better game for them on Saturday as they face Columbus, who has been struggling lately. Uh, Iguain has been struggling a little bit as well. So in that way, I think New England is going to try to get the three-point as well with players like Fagundes, who's really impressing me lately, Andrew Farrell on defense, which is always a good choice for your fantasy. As a fullback, he's actually cheap, and he plays decently, 90 minutes usually, and gets a lot of crosses and stuff like that, crosses to Fagundes, and he's got chances of actually scoring off corners, so if you haven't done your fantasy for next week, because this week is already too late, but for next week, you might go get Andrew Farrell if you like him. So yes, we have New York, New England, and the next team is New Chicago. No, I'm kidding. It's actually Chicago. They're playing DC United at home. And Chicago, ever since the arrival of Mike McGee, have been a new team. So the new Chicago Fires, and no, they're not the firecrackers anymore. They're back to being actual fires. So the new Chicago Fires are going to face DC United. And we all know what type of season DC United has so far this year. So look for Chicago and Mr. Mike scoring McGee to put a couple back to his tally and maybe trying to catch up with Camilo at top of the scoring race right now because he's in the golden boot leader. He's got 12 goals. DeVaio, McInerney, and McGee all tied at 11. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And speaking about DeVaio, as I said during the Scott interview, DeVaio is questionable for tomorrow. You can put a little old two bucks on the fact that he's not going to play as of Thursday morning. He was still in Italy dealing with some family issues. So hopefully everything goes well for you, Marco. 
I don't expect you, I don't expect him to be back on Saturday, but my thoughts are, my thoughts and our thoughts on Off the Woodworks are with you, Marco. Hopefully that everything goes well during that ordeal for you and your family. So it will be interesting to see what the actual Montreal, uh, Charlebaum actually talked about a 4-3-3, maybe. Maybe use more the wings because of the, of the, of the absence of the vial. And you can put a little old two bucks as well that Niasi, Niasi, Mr. Sana, Mr. He runs with the ball and loses it. Well, he was getting in really good form before getting suspended for simulation. I know. I know he was, he, he did dive a little. But if the league wants to be coherent and consistent, they had to suspend Sam, who actually dove Big time to get that penalty against New York, against Montreal for the New York. But anyways, off of that subject, it's gone, it's in the past, let's forget about it, let's move on. So let's put a two bucks on the fact that Nias is going to start on one of the wings. If it's a 4-3-3, a 4-1-4-1, a 4-4-2, whatever the actual shape the team uses, we'll see what Charlie Baum has up his sleeves. Well, it doesn't matter what I believe Nias is going to start. And I believe that Papone is going to be probably alone up top. I don't think we're going to see Wenger starting with him, but I can be mistaken. But in my opinion, we might even see a 4-3-3 with uh, Papone at a center forward, Nyasi and Blake Smith maybe. That's one of my options I actually see fit. Because we need players that actually can play in the heat. still going to be warm tomorrow night in the Saputo. Younger players with a little bit more pace so we can rest our more veterans so they can be arrested for the rest of the season so we'll see about that game on saturday so hopefully you already have your tickets for that game because it's very close to being sold out so we can watch that watch our other couple great games in the mls this weekend like i said the better the week new england new york chicago five bucks it gives you actually 54 bucks around that depending on where you place your batch if you have any questions comments reactions uh if you're a company soccer related company uh, audio recording type company and you want to sponsor Off The Woodworks or like I said in the comment or question email me Off The Woodworks with an X at the end at hotmail.com you can follow me on Twitter at Off The Woodworks you can follow my personal Twitter at Bully54 B-O-U-L-I 54 you can go on Facebook Off The Woodworks and you can find this podcast on iTunes on the iTunes store in the sports and recreation section of the podcast thank you very much for being for listening to this show it's a pleasure for me to do this show for all of you all eight of you who listens to me so thank you very much and as always i'm kevin lagame and have a great soccer